Today's episode is brought to you by Stream by Mosaic, an expert interview transcript library that integrates AI-generated call summaries and NLP search technology so their clients can quickly pinpoint the most critical insights. Start your free two-week trial on their website at www.streamrg.com. That's S-T-R-E-A-M-R-G.com using the promo code MICROCAP. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not an offer or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell securities. SNN Network, SNN Inc., and the Planet Microcap Podcast and the representatives are not licensed brokers, broker-dealers, market makers, investment bankers, investment advisors, analysts, or underwriters. We do not recommend any companies discussed. We may buy and sell securities in any company mentioned and may profit in the event those securities rise in value. We recommend you consult with a professional investment advisor, broker, or legal counsel before purchasing or selling any securities referenced in this podcast. Welcome to the Planet Microcap Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Kraft, and thank you all so much for the support and for tuning in. You can follow Planet Microcap on Twitter at Bobby K. Kraft. That's B-O-B-B-Y-K-K-R-A-F-T. You're listening to episode 204. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to tweet at me or shoot me an email at rcraft at snnwired.com. And when you do get a chance, if you like what you hear, please rate and review Planet Microcap on iTunes. It really helps provide feedback for me and spread the Microcap message. Special thank you to our sponsors for today's episode, Stream by Mosaic, an expert interview transcript library that integrates AI-generated call summaries and NLP search technology so their clients can quickly pinpoint the most critical insights. Start your free two-week trial on their website at www.streamrg.com. That's S-T-R-E-A-M-R-G.com using the promo code MICROCAP. And to quarter whose mission is to change the way that people look at investor relations and create a completely new bridge between companies and stakeholders. Visit your app store of choice to try it out. And that's Q-U-A-R-T-R quarter. We are currently underway with our event, the SNN Network Canada virtual event. Yesterday, we had a great day of keynotes and panels, all of which are now available for replay on the SNN Network YouTube channel. Today and tomorrow, we have 70 Canadian microcap companies giving presentations, and it's free to register. So if you're interested, it's not too late. Go to canada.snn.network and join us. Now, for episode 204 of the Planet Microcap podcast, I'm sharing the Planet Microcap podcast live episode uh, with guest Dave Barr, CEO and Portfolio Manager at Pender Fund Capital Management. That was broadcast yesterday at the SNN Network Canada virtual event. I've had Dave on the program previously, and he even gave a keynote earlier this year at the January edition of this event. I invited him back on the program to take a look back because for those following closely, microcaps have been crushed in the last little bit here, Canadian microcaps especially. And I thought it would be interesting to chat with someone who's in the trenches to discuss this experience, why this is happening, reflect further on a volatile 2021, and what lies ahead for microcaps in 2022. Thank you again for tuning in to episode 204 of the Planet Microcap podcast. And please enjoy my conversation with Dave Barr. This episode is brought to you by Stream by Mosaic. You can find them at www.streamrg.com. That's S-T-R-E-A-M-R-G.com. Stream is an expert interview transcript library that is starting to become an integral part to investors' research process. They have a number of interviews on a wide variety of companies, including TMT, consumers, industrials, real estate, and more. 
Stream provides over 300 expert interviews per week, and 70% of their experts are found exclusively on Stream. Stream was built by Mosaic and unlike any other transcript libraries. Stream integrates AI-generated call summaries and NLP search technology so their clients can quickly pinpoint the most critical insights. Stream's community of experts and thought leaders partner with Stream to build their professional brands and expand their industry influence. Right now, there are approximately 8,500 plus call transcripts available. For more information, please visit www.streamrg.com. Welcome back, everybody, to the Planet Microcap Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Kraft. You can follow me on Twitter at Bobby K. Kraft. That's B-O-B-B-Y-K-K-R-A-F-T. And today's episode is our special uh, SNN Network Canada Virtual Event episode, our Planet Microcap Podcast Live. It's okay. It's okay. So it might be pre-recorded, but you know, it's live nonetheless. You know, we got to be alive to have this conversation. So live, right? Okay. Well, <laughs> joining me for for this. Sorry, Dave. It's gonna be dungeons <laughs> the whole time. Um, so, joining me for for uh, this special Q and A, it's uh, it's it's actually someone who's been a guest on Planet Microcap before. But being that this is our our Canada virtual event special, you know, we wanted to get some more perspective on you know, kind of recap. 2021, looking ahead at 2022, talking about just the microcap markets in general uh, in Canada. And so, yeah, to help me do that right now, as you can see here, joining me is Dave Bart. He's the president, CEO, and portfolio manager at Pender Fund Capital Management. Dave, always good to see you, man. Thank you for joining me. Yeah. Thanks for having me back, Bobby. I, I, I'm a micro cap guy, not a macro cap guy you're you're oh. you're in you're an everything guy come on that's, man that's, that's my bad dad joke of the day so <laughs> that, that was good right <laughs> so so dave last time when i had you on playing microcap you know we went through your whole strategy and and we'll talk a little bit about that as well to refresh some people's memories but you know to start off let's let's kind of do a little year in review let's, i'd love to get your impression you know from the get-go what's been some of your main takes when you're looking at the canadian microcap market for 2021 yeah, well, it was, I mean, it was, it was a crazy year because we started off and micro caps just, I mean, Q4 of 2020, they were, they started ripping, particularly mid-November to end of December. And I think if you're a micro cap manager, you probably had your, the greatest quarter of your career and you probably should have like, you know, retired then and pulled the Peter Lynch. Um, the uh, Q1, it continued into Q1 and right through to kind of mid late February, uh, micro caps were, were really strong. And, but then we started to, you know, we kind of saw risk go off in the market and it was pretty subtle at first, but this really continued through into the summertime. Um, so I think, you know, in the last, last kind of nine months, we've seen a lot of kind of course correction, normalization in the market. I mean, there's still a lot of micro cap stocks that have done great at 52 week highs. Um, but you can also pull up your list of things that are off 90, 80, 70, 60, 50% year to date. And, you know, as someone who likes a deal, that's where we like to go fishing. hundred percent, you know, but, and a lot of the names, you know, is some of the names that are even presenting here at this event, you, you, I'm, this is not a big universe when we're talking about revenue generating non-resource microcaps, you know, for the, which is, tends to be your bailiwick for the most part, you know, but 
I mean, has has any of this been the result of just poor earnings or just or or uh, smaller expectations than 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 expected? I mean, you know, what, has that been some of the reasons? Yeah, I, a couple, couple interesting points to your question there. I mean, what's caused the, the kind of the, the correction in a lot of these companies? And I mean, uh, you never really know, but we've certainly we've seen risk off in the market. Um, you know, we, we, there were very high expectations for companies. And I think particularly when you're looking at technology stocks, I mean, coming, coming out of March, 2020, you know, a lot of these things hit inflection points and, you know, all of a sudden people see hyper growth and, you know, a discounted cash flow model works really well if you plug in that growth rate in perpetuity. Um, but the reality is like, we had such a massive hit to the hit to the system and stimulus for adopting new forms of technology that that growth rate was not going to be sustained. So we've seen growth rates come down. And this isn't just in the microcap space. This is like right across the board, all the way up to companies like Peloton and bigger. The, I mean, the, we're, we're back to, we're back to kind of steady, you know, steady growth, which is, or more normalized growth, which, you know, in a lot of these companies is still 20, 30, 40% year over year. Um, the, but now they're growing off a much higher base because they had this like dramatic acceleration over the last 12 months. But because, the rate of growth is declining. Uh, that spooks a lot of investors. So I think that's probably caused another little bit of uh, a bit of turmoil. And, uh, in, but also, I mean, the risk off environment, uh, it changed, it, it did change last spring. Got it. So, you know, I, I, I prior to, to our chat today, you know, I asked, you know, for the most up-to-date investor deck and, and pulling some some interesting things from there. You know, you talk about how, you know, when you're looking at the current market environment, how it's been a tale of two markets. Can you can you explain what you mean by that? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're not quite live. So, you know, we had uh, US Thanksgiving last week here and we had a pretty good sell-off at the end of the week um, with new virus concerns. And, you know, but prior to that, I and mean, we had Every, the headline news is NASDAQ at all, all time highs, 52 week highs, uh, S&P Dow, like all, all these markets are doing incredibly well. Um, but, you know, the market doesn't capture every stock out there. So, you know, what's really interesting is when we, when you're in an environment where everybody, everybody thinks stocks are at all time highs, and yet, you know, you're still finding a ton of opportunities out there where stocks are well off their 52 week highs. And so it's, like these types of markets, I mean, do you want to be long an ETF? Do you want to be long the market? Um, you know, over the long term, probably, but in the short term, um, you're way better, and, and pro- definitely long term, you're way better off in individual stocks right now because you can actually like high grade your portfolio um, just by identifying mispriced opportunities out there. And there's no better place to find mispriced opportunities than the micro cap space. I mean, so in terms of mispriced opportunities, I mean, in what sectors in particular, and, and is this just just in Canada really that you're seeing that, or I mean, is this also? I, mean, I don't know how. I mean, you don't look too much. I think at U.S. stuff, but I mean, in Canada, so let's just stick to Canada. I mean, it's just really, it's literally across the board. I mean, or is this certain sectors in particular? Uh, no, it's it's. I mean, it's mostly kind of te- like anything that caught like the COVID benefit trade. So a lot of technology, healthcare. Um, stocks in particular have been have been hit really hard, and this is not acute to Canada. It's in the U.S. as well. I mean, uh, my partner Felix, uh, he's you know uh, follower of Stitch Fix, Zillow, Peloton, a couple other names, and and those things are all off fifty, like fifty percent plus year to date. And we've got no shortage of of stocks that are off fifty percent or more year to date uh, in the U.S. as well as Canada. So it's 
you know, it's it, when we talk about the tale of two markets, it's we've got the haves out there and, you know, there's, there's always a, a, a cool name for it and it changes because, you know, all of a sudden we got a meta. Um, but, you know, you got Amazon, uh, Microsoft, Google, Apple really driving the, the high end of the market. And you know, those are great companies. And I think some of those we can make a good case they're cheap. Um, but, you know, when the, the, the outside of those, there's, you know, there's a lot of companies which are not trading near their highs. and uh, It makes it for interesting stock picking times. Absolutely. So you also mentioned it in the same investor deck about uh, how it's been a robust M&A market. You know, so let's talk about, listen, I, when it comes to Canada, I've, I've joked with you, Paul Andriola, with the whole team, everybody who's, who's a homie up there, just like uh, they need to rename the national uh, logo or the national uh, uh, slogan as uh, the, the land of the roll up. Um, so this has been nothing new to me in terms of uh, <laughs> uh, M&A in Canada. Like, oh, shocker. Like, so why is it more robust now than maybe in, it has been in the past? Yeah, I mean, just globally, M&A is at uh, all-time highs um, right across the board. So in terms of dollar value of deals, uh, in terms of quantity of deals, um, big companies, private equity, everybody is on a shopping spree. Like, there and and why is that? It's like, well, their credit cards don't charge any interest. Like money is so cheap right now. Um, it's so and you look at some of these big tech companies, there's so much cash on their balance sheet, they have so much access to uh to credit, they can borrow money at really low rates. Uh, so when you're borrow when you got a really low hurdle rate in the first place, you know, you, you know, the investment bankers can convince you that basically any acquisition is accretive. So, you know, that that's on the corporate side, and then you know, private equity. Um, you know, there's tons of funds that have raised a whack load of money. They also have really easy access to credit. So when you think of like the M&A market, you know, all it is, is, you know, how, what, what is the probability of, you know, a willing seller and a willing buyer meeting up and consummating a deal? Well, you know, you got a whole bunch of willing buyers right now who are per, almost price agnostic. Um, and so they're willing to pay anything. And, you know, if you're a rationally acting seller of a company, um, you're probably going to take a price that's way too, way too, uh, way too high for your company today. Um, so we're just seeing, you know, because there's so much capital available right now, um, it's a very, a very robust M&A market. And it's, you know, I guess this ties into kind of the question you asked a bit earlier about the, the, the Canadian landscape and expectations. I mean, I think what we've seen in North America in the last 12 months is, We've seen a, a lot of activity in the SPAC market. So, you know, SPACs raised a ton of money a year ago. Now every company's, they're all trying to do deals to, to bring companies public. Um, and there's a lot of IPO activity. In Canada, there's a lot of RTO activity. So there's a ton of companies coming public today. And which is, you know, which is great for all of us who are looking for the next company to invest in um, because there's more companies to, to potentially invest in. But this, this actually corrects something you know, when we talk about the, the M&A environment, I mean, the last 10 years, uh, Canadian tech companies and C Canadian companies in general, they've been picked off by their by bigger U.S. or international players. And it had really hollowed out the, the opportunity set in Canada. But we're now in an environment where a lot of those opportunities are being replaced. Um, but also with this robust M&A market right now, um, you know, we probably need the IPO market to pick up even more to keep up. Um, but... That makes this a whole bunch of fun. I'd like to take a quick second to tell you about this episode's sponsor, Quarter. 
With Quarter, you get frictionless access to conference calls, investor presentations, transcripts, and earnings reports from markets all around the world, straight from your pocket for no cost. Quarter's mission is to change the way people look at investor relations and create a completely new bridge between companies and stakeholders. The first step on this journey is to let you, the user, interact with the company's content while you're listening. Visit your app store of choice and try it out today by searching for Quarter, and that's Q-U-A-R-T-R. Now back to the show. Oh, 100%. I mean... I mean, it's been really fun for you guys. You've had 11 takeouts in 2021. Like from what I'm reading, it's a, that's a record year. I mean, couldn't have predicted that. No, no. Yeah. If you fast forward like a year ago, if you would have told me we'd be, you know, had the performance we've had over the last 12 months and 11 takeouts, um, I, uh, I would have laughed and said, well, that's our best case scenario. So it's good. It's great living in your best case scenario. I think that's even beyond the best case scenario, right? Like that's just like 11 takeouts in one year. Like, come on. Well, we do when we're, when we're looking at micro cap companies, you know, we're, we're generally focusing on growth companies and when you know, the best case scenario, your bull case, um, we spend a lot of time on it because, you know, to your point, you, most people underestimate the bull case scenario. And so it's actually digging in on that and understanding what the real bull case scenario is like. The bull case scenario isn't like, you know, your, your best expectations come to bear. It's better than that. Um, but, you know, that's and that's I think that ties into a lot of people who probably sell, sell, sell investments too early because when companies are doing well, you always under you almost always underestimate the bull case scenario. Um, so, yeah, we but we yes, this is probably better than our bull case scenario. So, I mean, we, we talked about, you know, you mentioned also here how there's three tailwinds that are driving returns. You know, the first one, we just talked about how this has been a historically robust M&A market. Um, but the three, the, the other points that you made here is that, you know, small mid cap catch up trade, the secondary tech catch up trade, and then tax loss selling, creating opportunities. I mean, is this, is this really that different than in other environments before, you know, I mean, December is always tax loss selling time, just sticking to that point in particular. I mean, how is this time really so different than other Decembers? Well, those, it, it's different this time are, is obviously very dangerous words in, in investing. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but yeah, I, when to your, your first point um, is, is like, you know, we talk about a small cap to large cap catch up trade. And I mean, I think what we've what we've seen is if you kind of look at the the headline numbers on the Russell 2000 um, and you compare it to the S&P 500, I mean, we've got small cap stocks trading at uh, the lowest relative valuation they have to large cap stocks since 2003. And if you bought, you know, pretty much 90 percent of small cap funds that were focused on real businesses back in 2003, you had a great five year track record come 2008. the, so, you know, on a relative basis, you know, this is, you know, we're way closer to the bottom of small caps compared to large caps than, than we have been in the last 20 years. And then on, so, you know, doesn't mean things can't get cheaper or the dislocation can't continue, but, you know, that's where we're at today. On the tax loss side, I mean, I think what, what we are experiencing right now is, you know, we've got, you know, with, with how strong markets have rallied out of March 2020, uh, you know, we're, we're seeing a lot of people with capital gains on the table and a lot of people trying to protect those capital gains. And 
So that, that actually creates uh, two incentives. Incentive number one is don't sell anything right now where you could trigger a capital gain. Um, and the second incentive is to you know, sell some losers to try and offset uh, your, your capital gains with some capital losses. And I mean, we're, we're not talking irrational long, we're not talking rational long-term investing right now. We're just talking people hate paying taxes. Um, I guess that's one thing that probably unites most investors is we all hate paying taxes. So we do have this environment right now where, uh, you know, we've got people who have big capital gains. They're not selling things that have gone up um, and they're trying to offset it by selling stuff that's going down. And we are seeing, I mean, you, you can kind of see the charts of, of stocks that are down 50% year to date. Um, I'm pretty sure a lot of those are going to be, if we had this conversation in a week or two, um, down 60 or 70%. Absolutely. I mean, it's, oh, sorry, you're going to say? Yeah. But the flip side is this could make up for a fantastic reversal trade in January um, because there's a whole bunch of people who are probably like sitting there with baked gains on, on things which are not reasonably priced and, um, there could be some pretty good selling of those in January and um, reloading into the into the cheap names in, uh, in the first part of the year. So I think this could be when we, we always kind of look for catalysts on why stocks could move higher. So I think getting involved in some of these tax loss uh, positions right now where you like the long term outlook on the business, um, you know, not only can you get these businesses cheap today, but they could re-rate pretty quickly in the new year. I mean, where, where are you seeing that from? I'm not asking you to name names or anything much to everybody who's listening or watching's chagrin. I, that's not what we do, but I mean, it, it, where, where are you seeing this for the most part? Well, I mean, I think you can tune into Sharon's panel and, uh, <laughs> and, see, and see a couple of those names, uh, but it, it's really, I mean, a lot, cause because we saw micro cap rally hard in the first half of the year, I mean, you know, uh, we, you know, Sangoma, which is a name all your listeners are probably familiar with. I mean, they did a seven for one roll. So it was, it was $35 uh, earlier this year. And, you know, today it's down at $21. Um, so, I mean, I love that business long-term. We, it's one of our top holdings today, um, but it's off almost, you know, 40% year to date. And, you know, could that get hit harder in the next couple of weeks? Absolutely. Um, does that make us want to hold it even more? Um, absolutely, because we think the the opportunity here going forward is incredibly mispriced. Um, similarly, I mean, you look at Pronto Forums, I think it was $1.50, $1.60 earlier this year and trading about $1.05 today. So 30, 30 to 40% off its 52-week high. It's just, it's right across the board. And it's very symptomatic of the fact that Q1 was such a strong quarter for a lot of these companies in the market. And um, they've all just kind of drifted off and, and now they're all being targeted because people have, you know, people have sold other things and they're looking for opportunities to, to protect those, those capital gains. This is going to be a really stupid question. And I'm, and I love asking incredibly stupid questions in Canada. Is there a, is there a tax law that you have to pay taxes on, on even unrealized gains? No, no. On. Yeah. Okay. That's what I, I thought. Because, you know, we're talking, I mean, we're, we're talking about tax loss selling. And of course, at like, it's like a broken record every year. You know, we, you know, I, you on or someone else talking a little bit more about tax loss selling because, you know, it's December, right? I mean, it, it's funny because I, I feel like a lot of the folks that are listening in um, that focus on in this area of, of, uh, of investing, you know, Canadian non-resource microcaps, you know, looking at quality for the most part, revenue generating, even near term or profitable. You know, most of these folks, usually from what I understand, hold, 
just hold through the, for the long term, you know, and this is all just like, Oh, okay. Tax loss selling. Like, you know, here's, here's, if I have a couple extra bucks to spare, you know, let's, let's see if I can just load up more in a current position, or maybe here's an opportunity finally trading at a price that I feel like is actually of good value. I mean, is like I said, is, are we, are we just being broken records again? It, or is this mostly just for, you know, the folks that are that, that short-term mindset as a reminder, like, Hey, you know, this is what happens. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, you know a lot of a lot of people who are, are are at this forum are you know we're all wired to be longer long term thinkers and hold positions for the long term. Um, but I mean, we're like we're two percent of the investment population. There's there's ninety eight percent of people are playing there. a way different game yeah. than we are, and, <laughs> and thank goodness because that that allows us to make money and generate returns, right? So it's it's the other ninety eight percent. I mean, the there was a whole bunch of people playing at the casino um, online trading in Q1. And yeah, a lot of them would have like sold out of positions and triggered big gains. Um, And I think, you know, that's a lot more of this behavior is driven by uh, that type of uh, behavior as as opposed to people who actually understand the business, want to own it for five years. I mean, maybe you trade around your positions a little bit, but you're not making wholesale changes to, to avoid tax. I mean, the best way of avoiding tax is to just buy something and never sell it. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, there is, don't assuming, get me wrong. Assuming it goes up, of course. Right. I mean, don't get me wrong. There is a good, there is like a decent trade, right? Where let, let's say it's a holding that you actually like, and maybe it's down big already. You sell out of it right now. Maybe you buy back in a couple or, you know, once the new year hits, hopefully it didn't uh, really rewrite any time before that. Right. I mean, that's, that's probably a decent trade for some folks that are savvy enough to, to be following it close enough. There's, there's, there's probably some nickels to be picked up. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right. So, I mean, I, I think, I think we more or less, I mean, is there anything that we really, that we missed covering 2021 in terms of Canadian micro caps or um, I don't know, you, you follow yeah. closer than I do. Yeah. No, I, I think that, I mean, the key theme was it was really hot to start the year and not so hot to end the year. Um, but, and, the, the other key theme, I think, is we, we're now seeing, you know, with the, the IPO activity and RTO activity we've seen in the last year, uh, we're seeing a lot more quality businesses coming public. I mean, it's now, it's now appealing for a tech CEO to have a publicly traded company again. Um, you know, three years ago, you know, you heard tech CEO saying, why would I ever go public? Um, well, when you're trading at 20 times revenue, it's, you know, it's pretty good to be public. Um, so it's, it's, it's amazing how, how, uh, you know, high valuations can, can change behavior, but you know, the benefit of that is we now have a lot more companies, um, have gone public are looking to go public. And that's just, that's wonderful for all of us. Cause it gives us, gives us more, uh, more files to go through and, and, uh, and, and opportunities to find. So I think that's the, you know, that's, that's the other key theme we've seen from, from 2021. Absolutely. I want to talk about that that point a little bit because I mean I remember as I think it was maybe two. It, it was definitely pre-pandemic. Or, yeah, it was definitely pre-pandemic. I mean, we were starting to see the IPO market starting to heat up a bit, and there was always this existential crisis amongst us microcap folk, being like, "Where's all the new names going to come from? What's going to?" Especially in the U.S., you know that. You, you know, you're starting to see the same names at every event and presenting and all this stuff. 
you know, but, but when it came to Canadian micro caps, there's, there always seemed to be, even if it was down a little bit on that year, it always still seemed to be a very healthy IPO market, especially because in micro caps, I think I just, I think I just talked to Harold Leishman about this actually on, on, on the podcast. And we were talking about how, you know, the, the venture market has always been such a great place to go for, for small companies um, because it's just such a, a great ecosystem. You know, uh, because of the the investor base that's there, they're believers in in how how the whole system works, um, the uh, capital available. I mean, it's always kind of been more or less healthy, but it sounds like twenty twenty one. It's been healthier than most. It, yeah, it's it's absolutely been healthy. I mean, he- healthier than most. It's, I mean, as, as healthy as it's been since probably nineteen ninety nine two thousand in the non resource market. Um, so it's been it's been a pretty good run for a lot of these. And, and yeah, I, the reason is the, you know, the, the Canadian, you know, public markets are really set up for, for small and micro cap companies. I mean, you can, yep. you can be a 30, 40 million market cap company in Canada and your compliance and regulatory and reporting costs are actually pretty modest for, for a company of that size. I mean, if you're, you, if you're a U.S. issuer, like $2 million a year here, go, go pay your lawyers. I mean, someone's got to make money. So might as well be the lawyers and accountants. But so in in Canada, it's just, it's, it's a bit more entrepreneurial. And I, you know, I think that that is driven from our history of the, in the resource market where, I mean, it was really, it's it's called the the TSX venture exchange because it was really a venture capital market for resource issuers. You know, like let's, let's, let's go raise money and drill some holes and see if we strike some gold. Um, And the, you know, but that's actually translated really well into into other industries. So it's it's really helped the technology market, uh, life sciences, health, sorry, healthcare. Um, yeah, right across the board. It's just it's created an environment where you've got a big ecosystem of bankers, analysts, uh, institutional investors, retail investors, all supporting the entire ecosystem, so that it actually does make sense. You know, it it still bugs me to this day. Ever since I had my the first like Canadian investing panel, I think I had I think I had a uh, uh, Chip Maloney, Philippe, um, Matthew. I don't think was on that one, but uh, who, was, who else was on it? I think oh, and Brandon Mackey. You know, it's it's it was pretty interesting. Ever since then, especially when I think of like some an, an incredible investor like Brandon Mackey, right? U.S. guy, solely focused on Canadian microcaps, and there's. There's that's definitely had a multiplier effect in many respects, but still the the it, there's still so many microcap U.S. investors that maybe potentially avoid looking at Canadian microcaps just because oh they only have a TSX venture listing or a TSX listing or CSE or the Neo like all right uh, makes it more like it's really not that much more difficult you know like can you talk to that a little bit? Well, I mean, I don't really, I mean. As Warren Buffett says, you only want two things in this world. It's, you know, it's either no competition or an unfair competitive advantage. So, yeah, it's just so every U.S. microcap investor, it's way too hard in Canada. Don't even try it. Don't even try it. <laughs> no, I, I, some of my best friends are U.S. hedge fund guys running microcap funds. That's so I, funny. <laughs> yeah, sorry. No, I love that. that was my good. sarcasm gets the better. <laughs> no, that was good. You got. I mean, we can't get any other feedback in real time here, but um, you got me cracking up here. Yeah, Thanks, like Jason. if you're not buying a stock because it's listed on the TSX Venture Exchange, like I, I don't know. Like you've probably got some boss who tells you you can't, 
uh, your CIO or your chief risk officer for, for some silly reason. Um, and I mean, we all, we see institutional constraints everywhere in the, uh, across the investment world. And this is one of them. Um, but you know, like there's, there is a lot of U S microcap, uh, managers, hedge fund managers that do, that do look at the, uh, the Canadian universe. A lot of time, I mean, a lot of times just like it's arbitrage because yeah, there's way more investors in the U S stocks traded much healthier multiples, um, than Canadian companies. I mean, Sangoma is like classic example trades at a big discount to U S peers. Um, it's why they're probably they try to U S listing is to, to go access those U S investors. Um, so it's a real opportunity for, for, for U.S. microcap investors. Absolutely. All right. So, you know, I want to switch gears then a little bit and, you know, harken back to our, our first uh, pod that we did a little bit together. Because, you know, for those who may not have known you or know the Pender Fund and, and, and your strategy there, can you give us a, a quick overview on your small cap strategy and some of the criteria that you're looking for? I mean, this could be very helpful for those who are, are in the hunting are hunting right now. Even maybe at this conference, yeah. I mean, like the, the key, like so. I I started in the venture capital space, um, which you know, you when you're investing in early stage tech companies, you you have to know that business incredibly well. Like the level of due diligence you have to get to to actually pull the trigger is way different. And um, it's you know, we, we with the in the in the public markets, you know, you don't have to go as deep necessarily. Um, but what's great in the micro cap space is you can use those same tools and you can, you can find, you can get an informational advantage. Like you can just by getting out there and hustling and talking to customers and talking to people at the company, you can get a, a way better picture of, uh, of, of a potential investment than, than other companies. So for, you know, for us, like coming from that background, and when we look at the micro cap space, you know, when you're finding these companies at, you know, 30, 40, 50 million market cap, I mean, the objective is to hold these things until they get to three to 5 billion. Like we're looking, we're looking for hundred baggers. And we've, we've talked about that in the past. Um, so you, you, it's there, they are available in the micro cap space. Because a lot of times, like, like in the environment right now, um, you get mispricings. So they they start they can trade really cheap compared to what the intrinsic value is. So not only do you get the business growth over the next five to ten years, you also get the multiple re-rate. So you know something right now you know, might be trading at one times revenue, which at scale a software company can spit out forty percent EBITDA margins. So it's like two and a half times EBITDA, right? Trading at one times revenue. Um, as that company grows, um, you know it's going to normalize to ten. 15, 20, even 25, 30 times EBITDA, depending on the growth rate and what that normalized uh, EBITDA would be. So, you know, there's, you, you can get 10 times multiple expansion on these things. Um, plus you get the growth of the underlying business. And if you get these things that are growing at, you know, in the early stages, 40, 50% is not unreasonable. As you get bigger, it's harder to, to continue to do so. Um, but, you know, you'd grow your top line, you know, 10 times in, uh, in 10 years and grow your multiple 10 times. There you go. Hunter bagger. It's just that easy, Bobby. It's just that, that easy. easy. It's that easy. Oh yeah. So, I mean, right now when we're looking at, you know, some of these, you know, potential tax loss selling opportunities, you know, even maybe some of the companies that are presenting at, at the Canada virtual, I mean, what, what are some of the, the key things that you look for in times like these? 
Yeah. So what we always, our, our process is all about like, let, let's, let's make sure we know who the companies are with the management teams we think can execute. So we spend a lot of time talking to management teams, getting a feel for what we think their, their operational abilities are and their ability to execute. Um, and then we, we overlay that with, you know, our kind of our industry analysis. So looking at the, you know, how big is the market? Um, where, where, where is this market at in terms of adoption and what's the competitive landscape? So, you know, whenever you can find one of these companies in the early innings of a big market, um, and you can stack the odds in your favor by getting them cheap. It's a, it's a pretty, pretty opportune time to be, to be loading up. And I think with us, a lot of these positions, what you'll see is, you know, when, when valuations get pretty full, we will take it down to a two or a 3% weighting, um, when we see attractive opportunities, we take it back up to, to kind of four, you know, five percent range. So we 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 like when there's markets like this, we we tend to use this opportunity to trade around and just create a little bit of extra alpha in the portfolio. Very good. All right. Well, going back to kind of our first topic here, looking at back 2021, maybe looking ahead 2020. What's some of the what's some of the main questions that you get from some of your clients when they're calling in and saying, Hey Dave, what's going on? You know, uh, what, what are you thinking? What are we feeling? I mean, what's, what's been some of the main questions you get? Yeah, well, this comes back to our first discussion on the, the yeah. tale of two markets. Because yeah. a lot of people are like, hey, how can you buy anything in this market? Everything's crazy expensive. Um, and the reality is, yeah, there's a whole, bunch of, a whole bunch of expensive stuff out there. There's an equal amount of cheap stuff out there. So like Peter Kundal, great Canadian investor. Uh, he's, you know, his, his, one of his famous quotes is, there's always something to do. And I love that quote because it's particularly relevant in the microcap space. So just like understanding the market dynamics, that's that's one of the, the key questions out there. Um, and then people are always wondering about you know, impacts of COVID and whatnot. And um, I mean, as we found out last week, nobody knows. Nobody knows. One. Yeah, I know. We're recording this uh, on Monday the 29th. And I think we all got that text that late on Thursday night while we were still, you know, unbuttoning our buttons from the turkey saying new identified Omicron in South Africa. And then, of course, Friday was uh, uh, the 26th, I think was a was an interesting day, to say the least. Um, so, I mean, so I mean, looking ahead real quick, I'm not uh, don't get me wrong. We're not going to get into a COVID conversation here because we are uh, we're definitely not qualified to talk COVID, but look, going into 2022, I mean, what are some of the things that you're looking at? You know, are there any trends they expect to continue or to fade? You know, let's, let's go there. Yeah. I, I like, uh, so going into this year, I, what we, how each, how we moved our portfolios in March, 2020 is still, uh, you know, very relevant to the market we're in. And, you know, when we saw the global pandemic hit, you know, what we saw was a dramatic change in consumer and business behavior. And the whole world went online. And I think what, you know, now that we're, you know, maybe things are opening up again, maybe they're not, maybe, you know, things are starting to normalize, maybe they're not. But even if things are starting to normalize, you know, I think there's, there is going to be less in-person meetings. There's going to be more people meeting virtually. There, there will still be a lot of in-person meetings, but you know, the, the, the behave, people's behavior, both businesses' behavior and consumers' behavior has changed. I mean, there's a bunch of people who had never bought groceries online. Um, 
They bought groceries online when they had to. And I don't think they're ever going back because they hated grocery shopping in the first place. So, you know, what we saw is we saw this big shock to the system and it changed behavior. And so what we're seeing right now is, you know, everybody got really excited about these behavior changes and thought that these growth rates were going to continue forever. Um, but, you know, I think what, what we saw is, you know, it wasn't the slope of the demand sur- curve that changed. I mean, it certainly did short, short term, but the demand curve just basically structurally shifted up. And so now we're going to get into, you know, the, 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 the adoption of these new behaviors is going to continue. It's going to be at re- it's still early innings in a lot of this stuff. Um, and it's, it's going to continue for a really long period of time. And what I think we have right now is a, a really interesting opportunity with security mispricings because of the hype we saw um, coming out of COVID, uh, the correction we've seen right now. Uh, and then we're even layering that off with more pressure on the stocks with tax loss selling. So uh, I know, I mean, being super bullish about a year in particular is always a dangerous thing to, to, to say. Um, but I mean, I look out five years and I'm, you know, there's, I have a, I'm feeling pretty good about where our portfolios are positioned today. Very good. You know, it, I wanted to hit on one of the things that you were talking about, how, you know, uh, the virtual versus in-person meetings. I mean, look, we're, here we are, we're at a virtual event, you know, there's going to be, you know, hundreds, maybe thousands of meetings taking place over the next couple of days here with management teams and potential investors. You know, you you guys interview a ton of management teams. You have many conversations. What's been the your the Pender Fund thought process in terms of you know um, has there been a greater desire to to meet in person or have you all been perfectly fine saying you know not we're good you know we we're good with virtual or we'll mix it up or what's been the thought process? Uh, I mean, we I think we've adjusted really well. I mean, we're still not back in the office. And it's given, I, you know, it's given us particularly being out here in Vancouver. um, We're not the center of the Canadian universe. uh, So it is harder to get access to companies, but now it's it's just as easy for a CEO to, uh, to join us, like to to do a zoom meeting as it is to uh, fly. It's way easier. It's way easier for a CEO to join a zoom meeting than uh, fly across the country to meet us. So, we're actually probably getting more conversations going with management teams than we we have historically. Yeah, because it's interesting. I mean, look, we're we're going to be doing an in-person event in May next year. Um, this is going to be actually our last virtual until we do that next meeting. You know, because we've been hearing from investors sometimes too, just being like they're they love the virtual. They they know that they're getting so much more access as a result, and they don't have to leave their bedroom to do that. You know, but at the same time, you know, you have your other cohort of of, uh, of audience members and investors that come to all of our stuff that are saying, you know, we want to network. We want to, you know, we we tend to get most of our differential insights by meeting in person. You know, like sometimes with the virtual. So I mean, you know, at least for you, do you, are, do you do you feel that same way, or are you finding new ways in which to find differential insights as a result of doing you know things having to go virtual? Yeah, I, I, I find you can, in, information flow is improved. Um, what's hard, what you can't replicate online is trust or creativity. That's kind of, you know, where you have the random conversation with someone um, and they mention something about another company, which all of a sudden, 
you know, you connect the dot on some other company. So the more you kind of you, know, you sit down and have a beer with someone and you're talking about different stocks in your portfolios and what you like and what what kind of what you see, like I think it's it's harder to it's harder to manufacture those types of conversations online than so I in person is uh is the way to go for those. And I, I certainly miss those because some of my best conversations are you know chatting with other investors at the end of a conference and just getting to know different companies at a different level. Because I mean, look, at the end of the day, when it comes to management meetings, you know, look, for the most part, especially for the most part, they're going to tell you their narrative, right? You know, they're, they'll answer your questions, especially if you've done your research and whatnot. But at the end of the day, most of that information, you know, is that's all for the most part going to be available in the filings, you know, at the very, at, at the end of the day, you know, the numbers usually for the most part bear, bear out um, in one respect or another. Yeah. And you're, you're, you're not getting, you're generally not, you're not like, it's hard to get useful insights. I think where you can have great conversations is when you start talking about, you know, what CEO's three and five year strategy is. And, you know, cause like people will be, you know, they're a lot more forthcoming about things three to five years out because it's, you know, they're, they're not going to be held accountable to the next quarter on it. Um, which is what everyone's always afraid of doing. So everyone's very well rehearsed on like quarterly and annual guidance and, and staying away from the, the danger points. But when you start talking about, you know, what you're doing to actually get that top line growth three years out, um, I know that's where you learn the, the most about the individual company, the management team, um, but also, you know, competitors and, and other participants in the field. Um, so a lot, a lot of CEOs will drop a tidbit like, like oh yeah, these these guys are like they're they're a really tough competitor. If you ever hear, hear a CEO say that about a company, go go look at that company right away, and you probably want to buy the stock if you like the industry. It'd be pretty funny to hear a CEO actually do that. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> I mean, I usually ask about competitive landscape almost every in every CEO interview. Um, so. They're, they're, oh, yeah. and you, and you get they'll usually say a big, but they usually say a large cap, right? They won't ever say like somebody that's in like a similar <laughs> range, you know, yeah. sorry, I, I cut you off in, in what I was saying, but uh, did you? Yeah. Well, every, every company has that wonderful slide where it's like, here's our product offering. Here's our, here's our competitors. And here's why, here, here are our, our two other features and why ours is better. <laughs> and those competitors, of course, are in like the 3 billion, 10 million, you know, they well, what about this? What about ABCD coming into right around? Yeah, we don't, we don't even, who, you know? Um, <laughs> all right, so I'm going to humble brag for you for a second, if, if you don't mind. Uh, Pender Fund just received industry recognition uh, with, fourth, with, their, with your fourth Refinitive Lipper Fund Award. One, congratulations. And secondly, you know, for those who don't know what this means, you know, tell us what the significance of this award. So, someone from Pender clearly sent that over to you. Uh, as, it was just recognition for 10-year performance on the fund. Um, so it was recognized as the best performing fund in SaaS class over the last 10 years. So Listen, if, if Dave's response just now is any indication, he's a very humble guy. Okay. He, yes, someone did send it to me. But, you know, look, we got to give recognition where recognition's due, right? It's not often you win awards. Okay. You know, awards are nice. Yeah. Yeah, but people are investing with me for the next ten years, not the last ten years. So, uh, if anything, it, uh, it it lights a bit of a fire to to try and out, outdo the last ten years. 
it's it's a it's a it's a fun standard to try to live up to very cool. All right. Okay. Well, well, listen, uh, from our team, congratulations. And, uh, you know, again, we hope you get the, we hope you get the next one as well. Um, Thanks, Bobby. all right. Yeah, of course. All right. So to close this out here, cause we're, we're about there, you know, I've, you got a busy week ahead of you. I think this is, you have your big town halls coming up this week. So uh, close this out, you know, give us some closing thoughts, you know, maybe final reflections, looking ahead, you know, make us feel, give us, give us that pump up speech, you know, going into 2022. Well, I, we're, we're ending the year where we got a whole bunch of great opportunities out there. There's, there's, there's wonderful micro cap businesses out there trading at really attractive valuations. And I, you know, in, in the micro cap space, you know, we've, everybody knows a couple guys who are in micro cap club or, you know, have, have found a company in the early stages held on and now people are writing books about them on the internet and the opportunities for everybody. And there's not many professional investors looking at these companies. And if you're, if you're a good business analyst and you do your work and you buy one of these companies, um, high growth company at a cheap price and you hold on, you, you really do have a great opportunity to do well um, for you and your family over the next 10, 20 and 40 years. So it's absolutely worth the effort and ever any questions if anyone has questions reach out i love talking microcap stocks that's a great way to end it dave where can everybody go and find more information to contact you follow you on social media you know find more info on pender fund i'm a a not frequent poster on twitter at pender dave and our website's uh, www.penderfund.com very good well dave thank you so much for joining me here for this this was awesome i really do appreciate it good luck Definitely good luck this week. I know you got a lot ahead of you and uh, stay safe. And I look forward to our next chat. Thank you, Bobby. I'm looking forward to seeing all the, uh, the different companies present and finding our next great idea for 2022. Awesome. Thank you, Dave. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not an offer or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell securities. SNN Network, SNN Inc., and the Planet Microcap Podcast and the representatives are not licensed brokers, broker dealers, market makers, investment bankers, investment advisors, analysts, or underwriters. We do not recommend any companies discussed. We may buy and sell securities in any company mentioned and may profit in the event those securities rise in value. We recommend you consult with a professional investment advisor, broker, or legal counsel before purchasing or selling any securities referenced in this podcast. Podcast.